Welcome back to another episode of The Shadows of Jesus. I was out last week. Um, it was Bill hanging out with Ken and Sav. And so I was like, Bill, you take this week off. And I'm going to grab some some guests. And so I've got three special guests. So who's, who's joining me today? Jerrica Moore, the worship director at Redeemer. Slash resident. Slash um, resident movie quoter. Great, great. Brian Kane, the student pastor. Slash slash Star Wars fanatic slash <laughs> slash now one cup of coffee a day. Hot water no, drinker. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Steaming cup of hot water. Hot, I love my hot uh, water. And? And then I'm Carter Wine. I'm the technical director and resident tech wizard. Yeah, and you're, you you're typically, Furniture behind, builder. typically <laughs> behind the camera today, but 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 always great thoughts and, and here you're at the table. So yeah, you guys, thanks for hanging out. But we're not only... I don't just have special guests. We're at a special location. So, Jerrica, where, where'd you set us up to be today? We are at the Project Barbecue, um, probably as a staff, our, our go-to spot for food, all things food. Yeah, love this place. So, if you're looking for legit Texas barbecue this side of Mississippi, this legit. is it. Like and the, pizza. Yeah, and great pizza. And great pizza. All right, so we've, we've, got some, we've got some books to cover. We started doing some Minor Prophets last week. We've got a few today. We've got Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah. How, you guys said there's another way of pronouncing Habakkuk? Habakkuk. Habakkuk. Some people pronounce it, but I'm thankful that before we started, we all pronounced it the exact same way. Habakkuk. It's now I'm going to get confused. Habakkuk. So, um, yeah, I, lo- I loved um, just seeing, the. there's a, a Bible called the Jesus Bible, which sounds kind of funny, but it's got contributors like Louis Giglio, Max Licato, John Piper. And when they're going through the Minor Prophets, they're connecting them to Jesus, which I think is super helpful. Um, but they say Jonah is Jesus, our missionary God. Mm. Um, Micah is Jesus, our compassionate king. Nahum is Jesus, our wrath bearer. Habakkuk. Um, <laughs> Jesus, our joyful salvation in Zephaniah, Jesus, our mighty one. So we're going to see that ultimately all these prophets, they have a historical moment, like an immediate historical moment within the mm-hmm. context of the nation of Israel and Judah, but they have a, a greater, they have a greater context in the redemptive history, the redemptive mm-hmm. story fulfilled in Jesus. So let's jump into Jonah, you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, children's book, um, the primary focus of Jonah is going to be what? He was swallowed by a fish. Brian, how would you break it down? That, that's typically what people think. When they first think of Jonah, they think of bad guy, big fish, bad people. That sounds good a, God. That sounds, good God, yeah. That sounds about as, as detailed as Jonah as Jonah's sermon that we'll get to yeah. in a little bit. Anyways, so so this takes place in you know Second Kings chapter 14, around the eighth century, and um, God calls him to be a missionary to Nineveh. He's like, Hey, I want you to go and preach to these people. Um, and so what is what does he what does he do? What's his response? He goes the other way. Mm. He's like, Nope, I'm out. Yeah, and and so, heads the opposite way. And so this is because of who Nineveh is. So why don't, what, what, what do we know about Nineveh? Like, why would he run from this mission to Nineveh? At, at this point in time, I mean, Nineveh is the capital city of Assyria. And at this point in time, Assyria is Israel's biggest enemy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so Israel would be, I mean, Assyria would be, you know, the big bad guys on the outskirts that the people of Israel and the prophets of Israel would not in any way want to go to because they know what they'll do to them. They yeah. know how powerful they are. They know how. And they're just evil. Yeah. How evil, evil they are. Yeah. yeah. Which correct me if I'm wrong. I think at this point in time, they've already captured Israel, right? Yes. I'm pretty sure. Like or, or, it, or they're, it, they're under Judah, like the boot. Israel, right? Yeah. They're yeah. like under the boot of Assyria at this point. Okay. Yeah. I'm not sure. 
okay. I think I think I think that hasn't happened yet because I think I think okay. I, I think that's second yeah. maybe though. I think that's more Second Kings seventeen eighteen. Okay, maybe. But um, anyways, so I don't know who's the yeah. Google. We need that like Joe Rogan Google guy. Yeah. Hey, Google that for Jamie. me. Jamie. <laughs> um, so, anyways, um, so yeah, evil. Like I, I was reading one of my Old Testament commentaries was saying that they would skin people from their neck down, bury them in sand. So I mean, like think about all that sand getting into your, mm. ugh, and then they would they would so your your head's exposed, and they would pull out their tongues, drive a stake through it. And just leave people to die of thirst. Like I wake up sometimes in the middle of the night with my mouth open. I'm like so dry. <laughs> like water. Yeah. But like there's like what other evil things are they known for? Um, I heard that they would cut off their the enemy, like whoever they would kill, they would cut off their ears and their lips and pass them out the way that we pass out like war medals to our mm, military yeah, today. Stacks of skulls. They yeah, they'd would, stack they would. up skulls outside of their homes to like say this is how many people I've killed. Yeah, and on the outskirts of Assyria, they would they would skin people and hang the skins from the trees so that the enemies Assyria's mm-hmm. enemies would know like oh this is what Assyria does mm-hmm. to the people and, that mess with them and use their skin as the walls in their homes. That's disgusting. Their tents. I guess it's like I must skin. say I as know. as atrocious mm-hmm. as war today is, I'm glad that we don't live in the Bible times for war <laughs> where we skin bad. people no for tents. No mercy. Yeah. yeah. Literally yeah. no mercy. No mercy. Yeah. So as you said, Brian. Um, Biggest enemy of Israel. So the yeah. chances of Jonah having known someone personally who's been skinned, who's been mm-hmm. sculled, if that's a word. Um, either way, like been Beheaded. jacked up by these people. Be sculled. <laughs> yeah. Be sculled. <laughs> you know, we make the words up today. We, we do. Um, that's how so we roll. It's probably pretty high. So, I mean, it's, it makes sense that Jonah, like, we like, like, why wouldn't Jonah go? Like, like it's like, he hates these people. These people are yeah. mean and he, he feels weight of it. And so... Mm-hmm. So yeah, so he doesn't want to do the the ministry, the mission, and, and I kind of get it. I'm like, mm. me too. I don't know if I'd want to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say that like a lot of times, you know, when we read the Bible and especially stories of, you know, characters that aren't acting the way we think we would act, we a lot of times can point the finger. When mm-hmm. in Jonah, it's supposed to be this mirror for us of like, yeah. where do we find ourselves in the person and work of Jonah? Yeah. Like, like what 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 attributes do we have that we see that Jonah has and um, yeah. Yeah. So he basically tries to get as far away as possible. He runs South, hops on a boat, tries to get away. And then the boat's about to crash and the people are like, what do we do? And so he's like, you need to just throw me overboard. Mm-hmm. Um, and, he, and like, it's a quick summary, but it gets thrown overboard yeah. and what happens. And everything stops and he gets swallowed by a fish. <laughs> so what, <laughs> what, what 60 minute episode were you watching recently? What episode? Yeah. The 60 minute episode. Oh, the 60 minute yeah. episode. Yeah. yeah. So this guy really did get swallowed by a whale. <laughs> and they did, you can, you can look it up. It was on 60 Minutes Australia. He was lobstering with a buddy and he was, they were scuba diving down and he was like, all right, bring me back up. And as he was coming up, this humpback whale just comes and Yeah. So he spent, he's, <laughs> he spent 50 minutes in the mouth of a whale. 50 minutes. And he was like talking about being crushed. He's like, I, all I could feel was like its tongue yeah. and its jaw muscles and, and he was like, I'm going to die. So whales, whales are big fish, do eat people. Um, but I think like in the belly, like, so scientists would say that's between 108 and 115 degrees, um, that it would have been humid, smelly. Like think about like just the fish, <laughs> yeah. um, the stomach acid would have already been, been washing his skin, bleaching it white. I mean, just a miserable, miserable time. Oh, yeah. And so um, when in reality, like this was his, 
like salvation. Like yeah. this, yeah. you know, like this is what yeah. saved him. Yeah. If, if it wasn't for the fish, he would have yeah. drowned and very quickly. And this how many, how many days does it take him to turn around? Three. three. That's a stubborn man. Three days. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't until three thir- th- after three days, then he prayed to the Lord. Yeah. And, <laughs> I, and I think too, I think too, it's important to note that on the boat, you know, the, the sailors were asking Jonah, like, who are you? Why are you here? And mm-hmm. Jonah was talking. What he knew about God was true. He said, mm-hmm. Yahweh is the covenant God of the seas and the land. So he like knew the right answer and he knew who God was. And it still took him mm-hmm. all this time to, mm-hmm. to turn. Yeah. Um, well, to, to turn, quote unquote turn. So he, he eventually realizes what he needs in his darkest hour, literally, is, is yeah. the presence of God. Um, the, the presence of God is better than solutions to problems. Um, so he gets spit out. He goes to Nineveh. How, how big is Nineveh, Carter? Uh, it's really How long would really it take big. to walk it's the breadth of the city? Three days of a walk. I think <laughs> that was that either to like the whole city or even to the center. Yeah. Right? It's a three days journey. Yeah, three days journey. Three days journey. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, so he walks into the middle of the city. He doesn't even get all the way to the middle. And he preaches the longest sermon I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> Right. And it was beautiful, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's so eight words in English. How many in Hebrew? Five words in Hebrew. Five words in Hebrew. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, you bad, gonna die. Like it's, I don't know, super yeah. short. Yeah. 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. Yeah. That's it. That's it. <laughs> and, um, and so this is the most half-hearted sermon I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, preachers sometimes think like, I've got to figure out how to tug on heartstrings or move people from point A to point B or get a response. Like this guy's done none of that work. Mm-hmm. He's like, I don't care. And what happens? They all repent. The whole city repents. That's like mass revival. Yep. And so they estimate like that'd be like around 120,000 people are like turn into God. And these yeah. aren't just like average Joes. These, like we said, these are people who. The, the were most evil people. Bad dudes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like from the, from the bottom, like the depths of the city of people to the king. Yeah. To the king. Yeah. His clothes. And not even sackcloth. just the people, the animals had to repent. <laughs> Yeah, Put so sackcloth on all mass, the animals. Mass movement. Yeah. If you Google, Brian, go get your donkey. If you <laughs> if you Google <laughs> animals in Carl. sackcloth, you'll see that cows wear sackcloth. Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They make sackcloth yep. bandanas for dogs. So, I mean, <laughs> the things you don't know until you Google. Right. Yeah. Um, so so yeah. So Jonah, he's he's pumped. He's happy. He's like, man, God, no one's too far from your grace. This is incredible, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. He's mad. He's like, oh, knew you'd do this. This so, is why I didn't want to do it. Yeah, so he's, he's yeah. upset. He like, he's like all about grace for himself, but law for the Ninevites. Mm-hmm. Like, I get grace. They should get justice because of how wicked they are. And so God teaches him a little lesson. But before he teaches him this lesson, where does, where, does, where, does he, where does he head off to? Jonah heads off to the east side of the city um, to watch all of the destruction come in. Um, the, the east wind. It's often associated with God's wrath and his justice. So he goes to post up where it's all going to start. Yeah, he's like, I'm going to wait. Fail. They've got 40 days, and maybe by day 39, they'll mess it up, and God's wrath will swoop down on them. So he's just doing a watch party. Mm-hmm. Um, and then God teaches him a little lesson. What does, what does he do? Yeah, he, God provides grace and shade for, for Jonah. He provides you know, a tree that, that gives him shade as he's waiting to watch this destruction, but then God quickly takes it away by just one worm. He's all about receiving um, God's grace. Right, mm-hmm. right, and, mm-hmm. but not about God giving it to those who need it the most. And, yeah. um, and you know, it's kind of the lesson of when God takes the tree away, it's, it's, is this tree, Jonah, more important than these people who are made in my image who mm-hmm. have 
you know, who, who you've been called to be a light to right? yeah. from the very beginning. That was the, the message and story is that the people of Israel and the prophets were called to be a light to the nations. And yeah. Jonah forgot that. Yeah, he was more concerned about his comfort yeah. than their conversion. Mm-hmm. Um, any big takeaways for you guys from Jonah as you read that? You're like, man, this was, this was really landed with me. Mm. So I went back to Matthew chapter 12, verse 38. Um, Jesus used this as a um, sermon illustration. And the thing that I got from it was um, that Jesus picked Jonah as the example to present the gospel to people. And so we can look at Jonah and say like, you know, this was a failure for him. Like this was a, he turned away from God and ran away and, and didn't want to do it. Didn't want to obey. Um, but it can become a picture of resurrection and hope yeah. to other people. I would say for me, just resting in the fact that the plan of God will continue despite even those called by God mm. mm-hmm. to do their work, even if they don't mm. do it well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, you know, thinking about my context with student ministry, it's, you know, I take a lot of hope in the fact that even though Jonah did not want these people to turn, like God still did that. And I want, you know, mm-hmm. my students to, to know God and to trust in, mm. in Jesus and to know that, that even my, you know, my best efforts and my worst efforts, God is still at work and mm-hmm. just finding hope in that. Um, so resting, resting in, yeah. God's sovereignty in that. Yeah. I think like in Jonah, I think we find ourselves in maybe like a little bit of a Joshua position or like we're reading Joshua and we wonder why there's all this destruction. But we also know that like the people that were being destroyed were totally wicked and God had been patient for so long. Um, and so again, we're seeing like the patience of God because of the potential that the people have if they mm-hmm. would repent. So we see all the new life that repentance can, can bring. Um, it's like that it's not the end, that there's still a second chance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Resurrection, rest, and repentance. Look at that. Mm. Oh, hey, three oh, R's, geez, right? Man. Alliteration. Making Jeff like, Martin proud. Yeah, sorry, I got nothing. <laughs> no, no, no. no, 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 no that's I, only I'm three not, points. I'm we only need three points. Yeah, I'm not going to try to finish <laughs> this, this <laughs> circle. Great, you guys. Well, hey, so Jonah was kind of the easy one, the one that most of our listeners probably would have read Jonah, but mm-hmm. some of these other minor prophets are like Habakkuk. Yeah. I don't think yeah. I've ever read Micah. any of these, yeah, so, any of these books in the so, before. Until a couple of days ago. <laughs> until, but I, I think that's an important point though, because I think like mm-hmm. whenever we're reading through the Bible, if you don't get stopped at Leviticus or numbers, it's the minor prophets that typically mm-hmm. tend to get yeah. you. Yeah. Um, but when you just see that like, man, Jesus is like, these things are not only pointing to Jesus, but Jesus is pointing back to these back to minor prophets yeah. of like, man, a God of judgment, a God of hope, a God mm-hmm. of peace, a God of I resurrection. Think, like, I think that was the biggest like eye openers is how much I actually have read these minor prophets in the New Testament. Yeah, yeah. Paul quoting them, Jesus quoting yes. them. And I'm just like, yeah. and even in Hebrews, like it's all over the New Testament. Was, I'm like, oh, I have heard this before, yeah. but why? Yeah. <laughs> one of, good. One of the good. things I think that, stop us in the prophets so often as it can be really depressing because mm. you read about the judgment mm-hmm. and you see the the sin of Israel, the sin of people, and you're kind of bogged down by all of this, but there's always some nugget somewhere right. of hope, mm-hmm. right? Like we think always, of lamentations yeah. and you're like lamentations, that's just a book full of laments, but there's even like a little nugget of hope that like, there's always something that God is doing in the midst of all this pain and all of this 
awfulness that there's still something good that can come out of it. Right. Yeah. And, and hope well, hey, hit. Let's keep moving. Oh, sorry. We, we, sorry. We, we were really not, we, we're trying to move on from Jonah. Let's get, we got more books to cover. Yeah. So Micah, um, so we get to Micah and this, the, he prophesies around 750 to 700 BC. So if you, if you look at the history of Israel, 722 is when the Assyrians come in and conquer the Northern kingdom of Israel. About 586 is when um, the Babylonians come in and conquer the Southern tribe of Judah. So during Micah's time, the Northern kingdom of Israel would have been conquered. So during his ministry, the Northern kingdom goes down and, um, and the Southern kingdom almost goes down. And so if you read in second Kings 18 through 20, you'll see that, that really the Assyrians were knocking on the door of Judah, but um, that was when like the whole 180,000 people died in the night mm. type thing. So, so what's happening in Micah? Um, one, this is, this is actually a time of prosperity for the kingdom of Judah, but instead of taking the blessings that God was giving them and then them using those to be a blessing to others, they were keeping it to themselves. Yep. And so what's the one big verse that everyone knows from Micah? Micah 6, 8. What's it say? Um, it's in your notes. justice. I have it right here. Love, Allow me. Love no, mercy. you got no, it. Go there ahead. You, go. you, got there you, go. you got it. I can read the whole thing. Um, yeah. Micah 6, 8. Uh, he has told you more to one what is good, but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. Yeah, so this is something we see throughout throughout the prophets is that God really wants us to know that when the spirit of, of the Lord moves in our lives, one of the evidences of that is that we change our posture towards those in need. Mm -hmm. And so whenever we're not generous, whenever we're not using our blessings to be a blessing to others, like that should be like a check engine light coming on be like something mm -hmm. might not be right. Um, and so, um, but as Mike is preaching to them, he's not the only preacher. Who else is, who else is there's, preaching? There's bad prophets for the false, false prophets teaching and saying pretty much like, you know, it's okay what we're doing. They okay were kind to be of self-serving. Yeah. Yeah. And I think this is so, this is so huge of a lesson for us. And we, we even see Timothy mention this or Paul mentioned mm -hmm. this to Timothy or Titus. Um, it's like, there's never a shortage of people who are willing to tell you what you want to hear. Right. Um, not a lot of people that are willing to tell you what you need to hear. Yeah. And so Micah, you've got people telling people what they want to hear. You're good. You keep doing that stuff. And Micah's like, you're not good. <laughs> um, all right. So, so in chapter two, verse 12 and 13, um, we see that despite the, the, the bad things coming, that there's hope, as you talked about Carter being, being sprinkled in there. What, what's the hope that, that Israel's going to have or Judah's going to have? That they'll be restored. It's a shepherd. Yeah, that There's God will provide yeah. a, a shepherd yeah. king for Yeah, them. which is huge. Which, like, so we know, like we talked about in going through um, the life of David and Saul, Saul was, the, Saul was the donkey herder, David was the shepherd. Um, but this is actually the first time in scripture that the shepherd king theme comes together. Mm -hmm. um, so we've kind of known, there's been clues that this is what they need, but now we have it come together, the shepherd king theme. Which I believe he specifically says Bethlehem, right? Yeah, so that's yes. in chapter um, five. So, yeah, so they're, they're thinking about King David. Like, yeah, we want a shepherd king yeah, instead of a donkey herder. <laughs> yeah, and so that's... That's awesome. I like, so you talked about Bethlehem. So Bethlehem literally means house of bread. And so Jesus is the bread, bread of life. life. Mm -hmm. But what's really cool is, is it's Bethlehem where the Le Levitical priests would go to get their sheep. So whenever they would have mm -hmm. temple sacrifices specifically for the day of atonement, they would go to Bethlehem and that's where the, 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 the priestly sheep were. They would wrap them in swaddling cloth and carry them to the temple for sacrifice mm -hmm. and you see Jesus 
wrapped in swaddling cloth mm-hmm. being brought. So anyways, some cool, cool imagery there. So quick summary of Micah. Um, he condemns the rulers, priests, and prophets who have led the people astray. Basically says, hey, Jerusalem, you guys are going to be destroyed by Babylon. Um, but he talks about how God will restore his people through this shepherd king. Um, any, any other big takeaways or thoughts from Micah for you guys? I, th- I was especially kind of struck by... Um, in chapters three through five, those three chapters, there's like this huge, it, for leaders, like for the leaders of Israel, mm, there's the kind woes. of this, yeah, the, these woes of, um, these are the things you're doing when you should be, you know, you're stepping on the poor when you should be taking, um, providing for them. Mm, yeah. um, and which is what the false prophets were, the false leaders were telling the leaders. They're like, yeah, you guys are fine. Like we're fine with, it's like, no, these are the people you're meant to be a light to. So there's this, God is holding leaders especially accountable yeah. mm-hmm. um, because they have influence. And I think that's, that's especially true for us today in the church of oh, man. Man, this huge, this huge weight, but knowing that it's, mm-hmm. it's, you know, God's calling us to trust and he's calling us to, to have faith yeah. in him and all that. So there's a lot of cultural pressure to, to build ourselves around what people want to hear. Yep. And yep. I was like, okay, God, I'm going to trust you that let's preach what people need to hear. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. I believe this was also one of the few incidences of the people actually listening to the prophet and turning um, like the, the people of Judah listened and that's why uh, Assyria did not prevail against them. And that one time they were safe for a little bit. It didn't last forever, but they were safe for a, for a time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good. So you're supposed to be coming with the same letters at this time for your takeaways, but that's okay. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, my biggest thing was kind of, I knew I knew Micah 6, 8. I've always known that verse, but I think seeing it in the whole context, it changed mm. the meaning of the mm-hmm. verse, which I think we'll talk about that later. Yeah. So I'll wait. Cool. I, I think that's super good. I just really, really quick goes back to Carter's point of like, there's always hope and we love jumping to the hope without feeling yeah. the weight of the judgment. Yeah. Um, and you know, whether it's Lamentations 3 or Micah 6, you don't feel the hope until you feel how heavy the judgment is, yeah. mm. um, which is super important to remember, which is why we need the whole context. Yeah. Super good. good point. All right. So that brings us to Nahum. All right. So Nahum, um, he's addressing the city of Nineveh. I feel like we've, we've learned a Round little two. bit about <laughs> Nineveh <laughs> this time around. And so what do we know about them? They're still super evil, super evil, but they've also experienced repentance, repentance. revival, mm-hmm. repentance, another R rest. For, I don't know. For short, renewal, short, resurrection, for a short resurrection. Amount of time. <laughs> renewal. but it was, it was short, short lived. Yeah. So their revival was short lived and now the tones changed. So, so what did God use the Syrians for? Like, so at this point in history, they were in his hands for a purpose. What was the purpose of the Syrians? Um, he used them to judge the Northern kingdom of Israel. And yeah. So there's the Assyrian yeah. dispersion. So they mm-hmm. take Israel and they disperse them throughout the, throughout mm. the empire. Um, but here's what we find out, like where God allowed them to conquer Israel. Um, they're still responsible for their wicked actions. Things like, like, well, how could God hold them accountable if it was his plan? It's like, well, God didn't make them do it. He just knew they were going to do it and allow them to do it. So it was ultimately their, their plan, their responsibility. So therefore they're, they're going to be held accountable for their evil, evil actions. That that's kind of what we see happening in Nahum is now yeah. they're getting justice for what they've done, even though it served God's purposes. It was ultimately their choices, mm-hmm. right? That kind of hardening there. their own hearts, yeah. kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so something we pointed out when we went through the Book of Joshua 
um, that I think is important to mention here for both Nahum and Habakkuk is sometimes we, we read these stories of God, like wiping out nations, like you read wiping out the Assyrians or Nineveh. Like, well, if we didn't talk about how evil Nineveh was, it might seem really jacked mm-hmm. up. When we're in Josh and we talk about the Canaanites, well, until you realize how evil the Canaanites were, like it's really troubling for us to go like, why would God do this to a nation? Mm-hmm. Um, but so what we see this kind of tension is like on one hand, we see God wiping things out. And we're like, why would a good God do that? But then when we find out how evil they were, it's like almost like we flip our response. Like, why would God not do something sooner? And what we see is, is what we mentioned in Joshua is, is God knows um, when to be patient and his patience is like a thousand to one to his judgment. Um, so he knows when to be patient, but he also knows when to say enough. And, um, mm-hmm. and so we as creation under the creator have to kind of posture ourselves to say, okay, God, like the wisdom to know when to be patient and the wisdom to say, when enough is enough is ultimately in your hands, not mine. And so that therefore we kind of have to stay. So it might not be comfortable, but ultimately we kind of have to position ourselves as saying, I'm going to trust you and your wisdom to know when to say enough and when to be patient. Yeah. Yeah. And and God's just, and, and he will, he always keeps a remnant. Like those who are faithful, he protects, I think is, is you see that with Noah, you see that um, here with in all of these minor prophets, but in Micah, you know, there's an indictment, there's judgment, and there's hope for those who remain faithful. Yeah. Um, So he's, he is just to his people. Good. Mm -hmm. Um, Any other big thoughts, takeaways from Nahum? I think uh, Nahum kind of becomes like the flip side of the Jonah coin. Mm. It's like, uh, we have this tension left behind after Jonah because we know how evil Nineveh was. Um, but, and we see the chance for growth in life, but then in Nahum, we get our, like the answer to Jonah's anger. Mm. It's like, why have you let this violence continue? And God doesn't like, he's incredibly patient, but he eventually does Mm -hmm. bring justice. Yeah. It's good. Anything else? And he's calling Jonah and us to trust, right? Trust his justice, trust his love, trust his grace. Which is a great segue into Habakkuk. You. All right. So segue well, <laughs> for me, before we <laughs> segue to, to Habakkuk, <laughs> my, my big takeaway from Nahum is I think this book shows God's vengeance against those who have drawn his beloved's affections away from him. Mm. It's like when those who are trying to pull our hearts or God's people's hearts away from us and towards other things, like God has vengeance towards those things. And it shows how seriously God takes sin and how mm. deeply he loves his people. And so it's like, man, he, he loves us so much that he, he's, he has this conflict of like, okay, like you are deeply sinful, but you are deeply loved. And so like, how do we wrestle with that conflict of like, how does God pursue and love people that he's disgusted with? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's, it's Jesus. Mm-hmm. Like that tension is only resolved because at Jesus, the cross, the penalty is paid, the sin is taken mm-hmm. away and the love is fully yeah. extended. So I see like that tension of like, how does God do this? It's only fulfilled through Christ. That's good. Um, so Habakkuk, God uses Assyria to punish Israel. Who does he use to punish Judah? Babylon. Babylon. Yeah. Which, so wait, it's also the, um, I wrote this down. The Chaldeans, the Chaldeans. Yeah. Isn't that? Chaldeans. Interchangeable think, with yeah. the Babylonians. Yeah. 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 That's good. That's good. I had to look that up. So, who are the Cal- <laughs> so question, who are the Chaldeans? They're from Babylon. Babylonian. Yeah, yeah. So, so interchangeable. Okay. Yeah. That's good. Um, so if you're wondering, like, who in the world are the Colonel Dunes? There you go. They're Babylonian. Um, so basically now God's going to use Babylon to, to bring justice to the Syrians. Um, he's also going to use them to punish Judah, which Habakkuk, like, 
he's, he's looking at all this injustice mm-hmm. and he's like, God, what are you doing? <laughs> like, so he's, this is more him wrestling with God. So kind of what, what's the tension Habakkuk's wrestling with? Mm. There's all this violence and you've let, you've, you hear all these people crying out and yet you, your anger and your patience are yeah. lopsided. And, and like, in my view, like you should be angry and vengeful, but you're being patient waiting for repentance uh-huh. and you're causing our enemies to flourish yeah you're yeah. causing our enemies to to grow and prosper and we're here crying out yeah yeah you're not listening mm-hmm. yeah uh-huh. and i think the other the other thing is like why is he using a more evil country or nation nation to, to destroy a less evil one and so he's like, re- he's wrestling with all these things. Like, God, I don't understand what you're doing. Right, why can't you bring in like a good night? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like to yeah. come save the day. Yeah. Versus a dark one. Um, yeah. So Batman so, reference? What? The dark night? Oh, no, but <laughs> it could be. Um, <laughs> so, so he, he's got this tension. He's questioning God. And, um, and we, we learn in, in chapter two, verse four, that we have to live by faith. Do we see that quoted anywhere in the New Testament? Yes. Three different times. Um, it's in Romans one seventeen, Galatians three eleven, and Hebrews ten thirty eight. Yeah, and so I think sometimes like we need to define like what does it mean to live by faith. And mm-hmm. so I love that as we read Habakkuk, we kind of can build out that definition. So for Habakkuk, living by faith means that we understand that God loves this world more than we do. Like mm-hmm. that's huge. Like so we're looking at this stuff, questioning it. It's like God cares more. Yeah. about the, the people than we do. Yeah. Um, he's more disturbed by evil and corruption than we could ever be. And it's like, mm-hmm. we're, if we're, if we're like, Oh, this isn't right. Like how much more so is God's heart saying mm-hmm. this isn't right. Um, and in his timing, he's one day going to fix it all. And so we might not understand it. We might not, we might struggle to see how it could be, how good could come from this. But living by faith means that we believe what God says. So we know he'll do it. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of where I think it's like, ultimately living by faith is like, I believe God is going to do what, He'll say he will do. Mm. He's going to fix it all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I loved um, God's first response to his to the first prayer in chapter one and verse five. God said, for I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if I told. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I was like, whoa, <laughs> how many times do I be like, God, what are you what are you doing? And God's like, I'm I got it. You, you just believe. wouldn't believe me if I told you I was doing yeah, it. So yeah. I'm just not going to tell you. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you guys, we went to Denver back in October and we all received these massive books. What was the book called? Providence. <laughs> <laughs> it took up a whole yeah, section like of my suitcase. Bible. It took up 10 pounds of our carry on. So most people, when they think John Piper, don't think Providence. They think sovereignty, right? Mm-hmm. Sovereign sovereignty. Um, and so he talks about in chapter three, verses 18 through 19 about God's sovereignty and I just think like for Habakkuk, like if you said, like, what is it, what is it, what does sovereignty mean? Like, what does it mean if, if, if Carter's like, yes, we uphold the sovereignty of God. Mm-hmm. Um, for Habakkuk, this was an understanding that God is good and that his perfect purposes will prevail. Mm-hmm. I think like such a simple but good definition, but kind of seeing how Habakkuk understood sovereignty is God's good and his perfect, his perfect purposes will prevail. That's three Ps. Perfect purposes prevail. Look at you. Does that count for Man, pastor that, alliteration? That's great. That doesn't really yeah. count. That is, that one of the, is that one of the letters that you taught us? P's, C's, and T's? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. See, so it counts. We had R's earlier, but... Yeah, yeah, this, yeah. That's right. We could fit R's in there somewhere. Sub. Um, any other thoughts on on Habakkuk? 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 How do you pronounce it? 
Habakkuk. 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 The bad one. <laughs> the, 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 the bad naming. The, inferior, the incorrect naming. The inferior yeah. pronunciation. Um, just something that I pointed out is like, I think a lot of times, I think a lot of what you said, Jeff, kind of helps me understand prophecy more. Mm-hmm. Like prophecy is like a looking back on the character of God and who he is and what he's done and how he'll remain consistent mm-hmm. and the prophet speaking to that. So God will be consistent. God will be sovereign. God will be mm-hmm. just. God will control all things. Um, and it just helps me understand, like, God will constantly and always work according to his character. Mm-hmm. Um, so Habakkuk kind of reminded me of that, that in the midst of what I, what I think might be right, mm-hmm. God will do what's right. And, it's, and the work that he's doing is all for his glory. Yeah. And it'll be for our good, mm-hmm. even if we don't see it. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So yeah. the character of God's a good segue to Zephaniah, but before we jump into there, Carter, do you have any thoughts on Habakkuk? Yeah, I think Habakkuk is uh, pretty brazen. Um, I mean, he's like one of the only prophets that we see. He's like, uh, God, I don't like your answer that you just gave me, so I'm going to sit here and wait until you give me a better answer. Yeah. Mm. Um, and I, I find it encouraging because I think there are a lot of times, like, I'll, I'll sit there, I'm like, hey, I, I don't know what you're doing, and I don't like this little encouragement that you gave me, so I'm going to wait here until you reveal it more. Yeah. And like, we see that it's okay to ask those questions, to like mm-hmm. ask for like a little more clarity. Yeah. And I think we're, yeah. we're in a safe space when we're with God. He can mm-hmm. handle our questions. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. That's good. All right. So that brings us to Zephaniah. So Zephaniah wrote during, during like a little bit after Josiah. Um, do you guys remember anything about Josiah? He's a good guy. He's a good king. Good king. Good Wasn't king. he like eight years old? Yeah. He became very king? Young. Becomes king. Yeah. Then at 16, they find something. Do you guys remember what they find? They found the Torah. They, they found the law. The law. Yeah, yep. so he's like, he's like, you guys, we've been doing this all wrong. <laughs> and so there's yeah. Josiah's reforms. Like there's this mass revival um, amongst amongst Israel. And so it's probably Ze- during Josiah's predecessors that Zephaniah writes to. But but just remembering like that, this is a this is a cool time for Israel because, but it's still still too little, too late. Mm-hmm. Um, so in response to the people just worshiping creation instead of the creator. Zephaniah um, comes in to show how God moves from from creation and the first couple words just wiping it out. So it's like creation to decreation, but then it ends with recreation. That's kind of like this this overarching theme that we see through scripture. Yeah. So creation, decreation, recreation. So um so but the the more than any other book of the Bible, we read about the day of the Lord in Zephaniah. So mm-hmm. so how does he describe it? Someone someone read that little section there. Zephaniah one fifteen. Yeah. I'll go ahead and read that. Um, A day of wrath is that day, a day of distress and anguish, a day of ruin and devastation, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness. Then a little later in 17, he speaks of of blood being poured out, which I mean, I think this is a kind of a layup um, to show us Jesus. Mm. I mean, like Mm. we think about the cross, the darkness, the gloom, Mm. um, the blood, like it's really so. So with that being said, though, as we look at the day of the Lord, I think it's it's important to see that when we see the day of the Lord that day, because we saw it all throughout Isaiah, we'll see it all throughout these prophets. That's not necessarily a one time, one and done thing. Right. The day of the Lord. Um both has both immediate historical fulfillment, um, but it's also going to have a, a distant future fulfillment to come. And mm-hmm. so I think it's just important to know like the day of the Lord wasn't just like a one, one and done thing. Like it's something that whenever Israel was going through judgment, they would have been like, this is, this is mm-hmm. it. The yeah. day of the Lord. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah. Um, 
so what were some of your guys' thoughts on Zephaniah? Again, the only verse that I knew prior to reading the whole book was uh, 317, and the, the Lord sings over us. Yeah. Um, and just this picture of God delights in us, his creation. Um, even though we're far gone and we mess up, he sings over us. And just I, I just love that picture um, of, of God delighting in his creation. Yeah. Us. That's great. And in that context, he, he does so. There's a lot of talk about fire, and fire does two things. It can either destroy or can purify. Mm. And God is wanting to purify and transform his people mm-hmm. into people who follow him, into people who are his children. Um, and that's what God is, is faithful to do. He mm-hmm. sings over us in the midst of our distress and in the midst of our anguish, and he wants to sanctify us. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not easy at times. Yeah. But I think sometimes people have this perception of heaven. It's like, are we going to be on clouds, like in diapers with harps? And it's like, or is it going to be like a, is it going to be like a choir from my, like just, you know, there's a piped organ. We've all got robes and people are like, I don't want to go. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, it's better yeah. than, it's better than hell. So I'll do it. But like the um, angel choir and uh, Jonah, the VeggieTales movie. So, yes. But like, yeah. but I think like, obviously I, I assume there's going to be worship. Like we'll be singing to yeah. God. Like, will it be only, no, like, but I never like thought about this until Zeph and I like, well, will there be points of just God singing over us? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Like not just us singing to him, but also him singing to us. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It'd be pretty cool. Have any other thoughts on, on Zephaniah? I don't think so. I don't so, think there's anything else I can add. My, my big takeaway kind of t- dovetail. Is that the term dovetails? Yeah. I, I've not, that's not, that's not my so. lingo. I'm speaking as someone I'm not. Piggybacks. Um, yeah. That's Piggyback. a better. Piggyback. Piggybacks. And off we're of, at Project Barbecue, so. Oof. But Jeff but, doesn't eat but pork. But Jeff doesn't eat pork. <laughs> <laughs> you guys. don't like pork, that's fine. I eat here because of the brisket. Um, <laughs> all right, so for me, I think sometimes, this, this, this ties into what you were talking about with Habakkuk for you, is that we sometimes falsely think that God loves moderately and punishes earnestly. Mm. And so, especially when we read prophets like Zephaniah, it's like, yeah, we kind of think that God is angry and there's, my, like, there's a little bit of love, but mostly anger. Mm-hmm. But in light of God's patience, we see God actually punishes reluctantly and loves tenaciously. Mm-hmm. And so the deepest desire of God's heart isn't to be against sinners, but to be for sinners so much mm-hmm. so that he sends his only son, Jesus Christ. Um, and so, but it's through Jesus that the promise of chapter three, verse 15 becomes ours to hold. It says the Lord has taken away the judgment against you. And so I think like, if you want to know what God is like, look at chapter three, verse 17. It's mm-hmm. like the Lord, your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. So I think like we've talked about like this shows us the character of God. And it's like, God's not just ready to come down and punish us. Just waiting for us to mess up. It's like, no, God loves us. He's patient with us. He's revealed himself to us out, revealed himself to us out of his love. Mm-hmm. And I'm in his hearts to, to punish reluctantly. Mm-hmm. Um, but to love tenaciously. So mm-hmm. I love seeing that for me out, so of, good. out of Zephaniah. That's yeah. good, man. Well, you guys, let's talk about some of the questions. Um, so here's, here's the first question that came in. Do you really, emphasis on really, <laughs> believe Jonah was in a fish for three days? Any takers? I mean, I would say yes because Jesus said it, and I believe in Jesus, <laughs> so... <laughs> Yeah, I think for me, I'll just take the text at its word, right? Yeah. If the text says it, um, yeah. then I'm going to believe it yeah. <laughs> and trust it. Um, and I'm also going to trust the implications. Um, 
like everything we've talked about with Jonah, like mm-hmm. I'm going to believe yeah. those things. Yeah. And, and if Jesus talked about it and believed it and mm-hmm. spoke it enough for it to be true, then yeah. I'm going to trust it. Carter. I mean, yeah, but I think we also have to remember that like, it's still also like there are, there's reasons it, and meaning behind the pieces, yeah, right? Im- imagery just, in it. Like we can't just say, oh, Jonas was, Jonah was followed by a fish for three days and then spat up on the shore. Like there, there's movements in there. There's like a reason why a fish was used. There are specific reasons. But I, yeah. I think maybe there's like sometimes we get caught up on the, the weird and the confusing. We try mm. to explain it away or we just accept it at face value and never think about it any, any deeper. Mm. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, That's I wrote really down um, in Matthew twelve forty one. Jesus believed. No, I think he's a pretty reliable guy. Um, but if I believe in a God who spoke the world into existence, if I believe in a savior who was born of a virgin, and if I believe Jesus walked out of the grave, then it shouldn't seem too far-fetched to believe God can interrupt natural order and ways to work miraculously. Do I believe this can happen naturally? Like, no, I, I don't. Right. Um, but do I believe God sometimes works supernaturally? Um, yes. And so mm-hmm. I think this is a supernatural yeah. working. So, so if you're like, this doesn't make sense. You can't live in a fish for three days. I'm like, naturally, no. Yeah. I, don't, I mean that for 50 minutes. Yeah. yeah. Well, the, the fish didn't even swallow him. He was just in the mouth. Yeah. So, so anyways, the so, 60 minutes guy, not Jonah. Yeah. So. Yeah. 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 <laughs> not Jonah, the Australian. So an- another question is how do you put sackcloth on animals? <laughs> <laughs> which, which is Very an awesome carefully. question. Like, I could you imagine like they have bulls. Like yeah. it's not just like your dog, your pet dog. Like they're like gathering this, wild I, animals. I, I do think this question, this question begs an even deeper, more important question of like, I think the whole point of the Jonah Nineveh narrative is to show that like all of creation will mm. bow the knee before mm-hmm. Yahweh, oh, right? Yeah. Like whether it's the worst of the worst, whether it's just animals, whether it's the rocks crying out, like all of these things will will bow yeah. before the creator, right? The one who created all things. I think that's kind of the question beneath, yeah. beneath the that's question. Good. We see that in Romans eight, right? Yeah, exactly. Creation. exactly. So here's, we're, we're out of time because they're about to open up shop. So we'll have to make this one quick, but like <laughs> any tips for reading profits question mark? I'm so confused. And honestly, I'm just not getting anything out of this. So, mm-hmm. so my thoughts just, these are quick scatter shots mm-hmm. is one, it's important to know what a profit is. Um, a prophet's primary task isn't telling the future. Um, they're more forth tellers. And so they're really, they're covenant keepers. Um, they're covenant police, covenant enforcers. And so if you read Deuteronomy 28, it's covenant blessings and covenant curses. And if you walk through the, the, the curses, it starts off with, with creation, like um, the fields, like so mm-hmm. agricultural. It moves to physical health. Um, diseases, everything's coming. Then it then it ends with militaries conquering, mm. and a lot of these prophets are almost warning and following that pattern. You'll see the crops, you'll see the physical, you'll see the the militarily, um, the military destruction. So so the prophets seem to assume that you know yeah the covenant, um, and then also um, you'll see a lot of times the mentioning of Exodus thirty six um, verses versus or 34 verses six and seven, which, which it, does anybody know what that says off the top of their head about how God's merciful, gracious, slow, slow to anger, to anger and and love, steadfast faithful. love, faithfulness, yeah. keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sin. Um, and so we see that mentioned, like we saw that right. mentioned in Micah. We saw that mentioned in Nahum. And um, yeah. And, then I, and I missed that until you said that, which I thought was great. Yeah. And so, but where is Exodus 34 placed? 
after the golden calf. Right. Mm-hmm. And so he, they're reminding them of what happens when you're disobedient. Right. Mm-hmm. But they're also reminding them of how God responded to Israel's biggest flop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. which they're reminding like, yes, you've been disobedient, but hey, don't forget about who God is. And so I think mm-hmm. one is you read the prophets, keep those things in mind. Um, ah, I think, I think also as you read the prophets, like is Jesus in every verse of the Bible? No, but is he in all of scripture? Yes. 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 And so I think like, so see the, the immediate things happening, the prophets, but realize that these are also in the greater context of redemption history. And so try to see how they're pointing forward to Jesus and how Jesus points back to them. Um, and then I think just some quick resources for me that have been helpful sure. as I've been reading these, the ESV gospel transformation Bible. I love for the old Testament, um, the Bible recap by Tara Lee Cobble. Is that mm-hmm. her name? I think so. Yeah. It's yeah. been helpful. Um, the Jesus Bible I mentioned earlier, um, the Bible project videos, Brian loves those. Um, but any other, any other resources that you would recommend if someone's like, hey, I'm struggling with this stuff? Um, I think like, Within the vein of the Bible Project, they also do a podcast where they kind of go in some somewhat deeper than the videos. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That can be a good resource as well. Yeah, yeah. And I would say too, like, these are going to be difficult. This, this, the prophets are difficult if you study them alone yeah. and just study them alone, you know? Keep so, going, keep going. So, so study them with other people and, and, and ask questions, right? Like, yeah. like ask your church leaders, yeah. ask us. Like, the, these are things. The prophets are the minor prophets are probably my favorite. It's probably my favorite portion of the Bible. Yeah. And it's because I went from not really knowing its place to like seeing it everywhere yeah. Um, yeah. and seeing, seeing Jesus quoting it constantly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah. once you see it, once you see how it fits together in the story of the Bible, it becomes a lot easier yeah. to, to I, understand. I think like on what you're saying, like asking questions, like uh, we have to slow down. I think yes. we try to like power read through and we miss so much and that's why it can seem so like so awful to read because we're like oh it's just so much and like i feel like they're just saying the same thing every time but i think the bible so much hinges on us asking questions mm-hmm. that, like we want to engage with the text and so there are weird things that the authors throw at us sometimes like jonah's a really weird book and so we should be asking questions because god's inviting us deeper into the text to mm. meet him where he is yeah yeah that's good I'm going to fight for something you, we had, we talked about Micah six, eight, and we discussed a really great illustration for it. The good. Okay. I think you need to explain it because that was like an eye opener for me about what that verse really meant. You, you, you fight for it. The fridge. That's not my story. Tell the light bulb story. Okay. I'll tell the light. Did y'all know that there is a live stream camera in Livermore, California, of a light bulb that has been burning since 1901. Yeah, I did not know that. You can go online and look it up, Google it, and it's, it's still like going. It's like the ETSU camera that's on the Eagles. It's like just it's there. It's just there. Just drop and it in the show notes. <coughs> yeah, drop it yeah, in the show notes. <laughs> it's gonna be in the show notes. Um, so, so basically, when I w- was reading Micah six verses six through eight. Um, Micah is exposing an attitude that wrongly sees sacrifice as an entry fee, Mm. which is the posture of like religion and rather than as an avenue for God to administer grace and forgiveness, um, to the people. So God's asking for a relationship, but the people were using it as religion. And Mm. so that's why Micah was listening off. Well, why don't you give this and you could give this and, and it just kept Mm. increasing in value. But in, in eight, it says, God has told us 
what is good. And that word good in Hebrew is the same word that God uses to describe creation. When he created the waters, he said, this is good. And when you look at the definition of that, it means it's tobe, T-O-B-E, pleasant, excellent of its kind, rich and valuable, prosperous, the best. And that same exact word is used 32 times in the New Testament. So when God makes something good, it can't become greater because it's already the best. Mm. And so the light bulb history, when they made these light bulbs, they were able to burn for a million hours. And so nobody was ever going to have to buy a light bulb again. And so in 1924, they had this census where they gathered everyone and they decided, okay, we're only going to burn light bulbs for a thousand hours. So if you look at a light bulb today, it will say a thousand hours. And this is why, because they wanted people to, they, they already made this best light bulb, but, and that's why like warranty runs out on stuff. It's called, um, it's called, oh, I wrote it down in here. It's a, uh, obsolescence. Oh, planned obsolescence. Planned obsolescence. So that's where this all comes from. It's from this light bulb. Um, And it was just a, it's a great image of like, we're trying so hard to find something better. We're trying so hard to give a better sacrifice or to do all of these things, this list that's in Micah 6, 8. And those are two ditches that we can fall into, whether it's religion Mm -hmm. or I'm going to try to do this all on my own. And God is like, I've already made the best way mm. and that's through Jesus. Yeah. And so I I I found that reading through Micah and I was like this is awesome. Like we don't have to try to do something better because God has already provided the best through Jesus um to have a relationship with him. That's good. It's good. Yeah. I fought I fought for that. But the, fight for that. the fringe was also a good one too. No. Sunday. <laughs> Sunday sermon. Sunday well, hey, sermon. we we see shadows of Jesus throughout these. Jonah, you know, Jesus comes with the true and better Jonah. He comes with a much different heart. Um, a heart of compassion for the people. Jesus is for forgiveness of God's enemies. Jonah waited for the enemies to be punished while Jesus was on waited was punished on behalf of his enemies. Um Jonah spent forty days waiting for the destruction. Jesus spent forty days proving his resurrection. And Jonah sat up in a high place on a little throne longing for damnation while Jesus sits high and exalted on the greatest throne longing for our salvation. Um, we see it in Micah 2 and in Micah 5 where Jesus is a good shepherd, where he's going to come from Bethlehem. Um, we see Jesus as the solution to how God will reconcile good and evil um, in Habakkuk. Um, so a lot of shadows of Jesus to see in there. But um, we want to be respectful of Project Barbecue's time. So... We're going to wrap it up, you guys. So thanks for joining. Thanks for being my my special guests. You guys come back. Yeah. This is awesome. All right. Thanks, you guys. Cue music. Dun, dun, dun.